Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plaster, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, it's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 265. As always, thanks to everyone who tuned into last week's show. Very grateful uh, to people that do take the time to do that. This week, got a bit of a special show for you this week, a special guest from the Fair Game UK organisation talking about sustainability within the game and the movement that is slowly growing uh, in in uh, in capacity and, and, and in size. Uh, we've got loads of fan views. It's been a, a bit of a good week for, an or- for us Orient <laughs> fans. One fantastic game uh, to review. So I think let's not uh, doodle about anymore. Let's just crack on with this week's show. Yeah, before we do, sponsorship update from us as always, and the podcast is proudly sponsored by HF Plastering, who hopefully you know by now. They're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And ladies and gentlemen all over the world, the best part is they offer 15% off their prices for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you're listening and you'd like to get involved, if you're thinking that price and that offer is too good to turn down, you can get in contact with Adam and the team. You can visit their website at www.hfplastering.co.uk. You can email Adam and the team at hfplastering at outlook.com. If you're on social media, so are Adam and the team on Facebook and on Instagram. You can find them under hfplastering. Or if you're on Twitter, go and look up Big Ads with a Z, LOFC, and you'll find head honcho Adam Francis when he's not in the late and orient ballroom having it large <laughs> like yesterday. So I hope you had a great day, Adam. You can find him on Twitter. Absolutely. So... First up this week, before we get on to uh, the Supporters Club updates and the week that was, we are joined by an extremely special guest and we are delighted that they've made contact with us to come on this podcast. Uh, As a fan-run podcast, it's really important that we have these types of conversations. So we are genuinely delighted that Niall Cooper joins us now from uh, fairgame.org. He's the CEO. Niall, thank you very much uh, for giving up your Sunday evening uh, to speak uh, with us this evening. So I guess... As I say, welcome to the show. Perhaps, do you mind just introducing yourself and and Fair Game? Just just give our listeners a bit of a flavour of who you are and, and, and sort of what the organisation's about. Yeah, absolutely, no problem at all. I've got to say, firstly, that my head's still buzzing with your lovely theme tune. So <laughs> my head was rocking back and forth, loving that. Um, completely. Yeah, uh, Fair Game is a, a group of 31 value-driven football clubs uh, only started this year. Our goal really is, uh, it's a little small time, which is changing the governance of football in England and Wales uh, to make it better. Now, what makes us a bit different is that we're, well, one, football clubs have never come together like this before. And two, uh, we're backed by basically some of the best minds in football. So if you go onto our website, you'll find like a long list of uh, really high-profile academics and uh, kind of minds and people with lived experience of football uh, who've all come together to basically look at finding the realistic long-term solutions to the game we all love. That's basically our mission. That's what we've been trying to do. Um, and, and as you probably know, there's been quite a lot of movement and success over the last few uh, few weeks. And obviously, Leighton Orient have been right involved in that right from the start. So you said 31 clubs are involved now. Is that from the Premiership downwards or is it from the lower leagues? Is it is it kind of fairly balanced? Uh, it's. I mean, I'll tell you that the heart of it is 
probably, if you looked around League One, League Two, and then went up and down from there, that's where you do that. We haven't got any Premiership clubs, although we are speaking to two uh, significant Premier League clubs at the moment, which is uh, really exciting. Mm. Um, but you know, we have we also have clubs like Bury AFC, who are obviously part of the you know kind of. Uh, as symbolic of, of the problems within football. Um, but there's a lot of clubs in League 1 and League 2 mainly, uh, and quite a number in the National League as well. Yeah, and you mentioned just before we started recording, you're an AFC Wimbledon fan, and we won't talk about yesterday's result, but <laughs> you're obviously only too well experienced in what can happen to clubs when they kind of take that wrong turning. But my, my question to you really would be more along the lines of, do, do you not feel that you're kind of... Tr- pulling a, like a hundred ton weight up Mount Everest with this because certain clubs will be, meh, we don't care. We've got a rich, wealthy owner. Um, you crack on and do what you want to do. We've got premiership TV money coming in at 4.7 billion for the UK, 2. Point billion coming in from NBC in the US. Like we're good, like you do you and we'll do us. Is that a force that you're going to have to be fighting against? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot that, that we need to kind of address within football and, and, you know, that is one of them. But I think when you look at it, it's about all the community clubs, all the kind of, you know, grassroots football clubs, clubs lower down the pyramid that uh, don't really get their chance, their limelight uh, to really raise the voices. And that's what we've been trying to do with Fair Game, um, really bringing all those voices together. Because there's been, you know, when, when we first started out, you know, I'd speak to couple of clubs and they'll go well, you know we tried to raise it but they just put the phone down on us effectively you know and it's because they were one voice and what we needed to do was bring clubs together to try and raise out raise ourselves above the parapet effectively um, and actually challenge the kind of idea that it's all about the premier league because it isn't all about the premier league and it should never be considered to be all about the premier league it's about looking at how you actually support football throughout the whole pyramid you know the and Let's also remember that, you know, football's about fans. And when the European Super League came about, it was the fans of those big six clubs that absolutely were up in arms. So there is a lot of love for the pyramid and a lot of love for what football should really be about. It should be about closed competitions. It shouldn't be about all about the money. It should be about making sure that it's it's fair and that, um, you know, we have those opportunities to make football sustainable and change it. And I think that, that that is out there and that is the kind of, you know, grassroots attitude within football, within fans. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like, is it is it pushing a huge weight up, uh, up the Himalayas? Um, yeah, originally I suppose it was, but the point is, is there's a hell of a lot of people now helping push you up the hill. And uh, there's a lot of clubs helping me push up the hill. There's a lot of fans who want to push you up the hill. And we've got a, a lot of politicians now all coming, you know, out of the... Uh, getting off the fence and actually saying, right, this is, this is the time to do it. This is the time to change it. You know, let's not have the Barry and the Macclesfield collapsing. Let's not have clubs spending more on players' wages than they earn. There's loads of stupid stuff that happens in football. And frankly, this is the chance for it all to change. And um, so that's why, you know, it's quite nice looking around and going like, you know, the late annoyance of this world are, are, are there helping push that big boulder up that hill um, you know and I feel very confident that we're on the cusp of something amazing in changing the game well, you've mentioned 31 clubs and community clubs and obviously this is a Leighton Orient podcast and we wouldn't really be speaking to you unless Leighton Orient were involved uh, with yourself so how did that come about did you approach the club or did the club hear about it and come to you yeah I approached the club and you know 
Uh, Danny Macklin is probably, right, if you ever play him in poker, just accept you're going to lose. That's all I'm going to say. Danny Macklin, right, we're doing a Zoom call, you know, the classic several rectangles in there. And we're all doing this, like, heavy pitching of, like, you know, why fair game's really important. It's all about sustainability, bringing the money, redistributing the money down the pyramid, all this sort of stuff. Stuff that, you know, the average fan, and particularly I'd imagine the average ignoring fan would be like, oh, this is just, like, what we should be doing full stop. And Danny Macklin's there, poker face, right? And I, I called, it was the second call as well. The first call was just like explaining and he had to take it away, uh, you know, to your owners and stuff. And then he, he, he then came back and we did the second call. And I brought in my heavyweight, so I brought in John Scales to like kind of talk to him as well. So like all, some of the ambassadors for a fair game. And like, you know, we're doing this pitch and like, you know, John and me, you know, classic, we're on, we're speaking on the Zoom, but we're on WhatsApp to each other. Going, oh, I'm not sure if he's got this at all, or like whatever, all the rest of it. And Danny was just at the end of it, and he's admitted this afterwards. Um, he was just enjoying the moment because just seeing us, like, you know, really kind of pitching and trying to do all the rest of it. They'd made up the decision before we'd even started the call. Yeah. He told me that afterwards. We'd already decided to join well before we'd even, like, you know, started dialing. So it's like, you know, thanks, Danny, for that, like, <laughs> 20 minutes after, like, poker face poker-faced experience. Later on, we're straight on board. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're like, you know, experiences that you've been through mm. and the fact that that's just, it's just the kind of community ethos of the club, you know. I mean, you know, Leighton Orion is, is, is that, that's what it is. You know, that's what it's about. You know, your sustainability lies in people around the, around the East End, around Leighton, feeling proud to wear a Leighton Orient shirt and for everything it stands for. And that's basically what, Danny was about, you know, you want people to feel that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a real sense of pride. Um, and it really means something. And that's what, that's what I think Danny was, was really about. And, you know, since then I've got to say Danny has been one of the biggest advocates for fair game. So I know he's spoken out at EFL meetings. We've had meetings where we've tried to bring other clubs on board and Danny's been a massive advocate. Um, you know, he, he, he will go into other boardrooms and, and, Back for fair game and back for making the uh, the world of football beyond, you know, the Leighton Orient, Leighton Orient kind of surrounds even better, you know, improve it, um, you know. So my mind is you've got a real good in there, um, you know. I don't know, I don't know if there's there, there's always going to be ups and downs for 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 out it, but like, you know, he he really sees the benefit of what fair game can do and how football could be different and what it should be standing for and what the ethos of it is. And, you know, the problem with people like Dan is it means that when I'm watching my team busy lose on a Saturday, I'm busy. at least I've got the consolation. I'm also looking at about 30 odd other results as well. And Leighton Orient's now one of those that I keep an eye out for because of, you know, how passionate, you know, your club is about changing football. Uh, and it's a, it's a real... I don't know, it's a real uh, uplifting experience when you get all these other clubs that are really keen. I mean, there, there are some clubs that don't get it, but the ones that are battling hard and the efforts and the, the things that we've seen and the momentum we've got at the moment, it just feels like, you know, we can really do this. We can really deliver a game that, that's going to be so much better than, than it has been in the past. So... In relation to what the clubs are actually and, and Orient included, what what are what's actually um, the, the where, where are you kind of at in your in your journey, if you like, of getting sustainability? Is it just at this stage is just about getting as many clubs to lend their support and to 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 be involved 
um, and, and to commit to this kind of movement, if you like, that actually this will be better coming from one channeled route rather than disparate voices that are just sort of maybe sound more like a grumble than an actual no we actually need to do something about this is that where you're at with the clubs at the moment then is this sort of fairly embryonic it's definitely not embryonic okay um so where we've got to is um you know if i go through the process so when we first met we kind of got all the clubs together and we said right what are the problems in football what are the big things we need to address so things like uh, um, the players wages the owners and directors test the crown jewels of the clubs that's like your, your badge your name where you play mm. all that sort of stuff um, kind of those those sort of issues equality standards you know stuff like that uh, we're all all in the mix and that was quite a while ago and then we then said right okay well we've identified these are the problems let's get really detailed um, solutions to this so we weren't interested in just saying um, as some people have done, and, and you know it's fine. Just saying, right? You need an independent regulator, right? What's well, fine calling for an independent regulator, but what does that regulator do? Um, what does the financial flow look like? What's actually what would be fair? What is like proper fan engagement? What the how do you protect the name, the badge, the location of your club, the colour of your sh- club shirt? You know all those sort of stuff. So we developed solutions to all of those really detailed and legal solutions that's that's quite significant so nobody else had done that to that level and the fsa have done bits of it and we've worked really closely with the football sports association on a, a lot of this um so it meant that we were presenting something that was long-term realistic solutions so that's not embryonic we've got the solutions mm. that's what's different you know we deliberately looked for the experts to find it so there are academics who've written books on this and gone all that sort of stuff, but they've never been given the freedom to say, right, okay, now write the solution. And we gave them that freedom. And so we got lots of people really doing that. And that was all then went back to the clubs and said, right, have we got this right? This is the academic solution. What is the realistic deliverable in football solution? And the two, you know, there was tweaks, there was changes, there was a few bits and bobs. But now when you look at our manifesto, which is on our website at fairgameuk.org, you will see really detailed ways of doing it. So on the financial flow, what it means, if, if you look at redoing parachute payments, getting rid of about parachute payments, and redistributing the the revenue that comes through from the Premier League properly, and as part of a, we call this sustainability index, and I'll come on to that later. What it would mean for a club like Leighton Orient is probably an uplift of three or four million pounds a year. That is significant. That is massively significant. And that is all because at the moment, a club getting relegated from the Premier League, let's just put this into context, they get £55 million for the privilege of being a a failure in the Premier League. That is more than the Premier League currently gives to all the clubs in League One, League Two, the National League, the National League North, the National League South, the Women's Super League and the Women's Championship put together. That's one club getting more money than 144 others. That's that's how unfair the financial flow in football is at the moment. And you talk, think about the communities of that 144 clubs and this, the area can serve. And if you put that investment into that area, how much would it change dramatically, the, the, um, the football in that area, that community, that kind of spirit within that area? It would be transformational for football and for those 144 communities. 
that's the difference that that we've been advocating and it, it's huge absolutely huge so um you know i mean clearly everybody's listening to me and busy whatsapping me with all this like beeps going on in the background so apologies for all of that <laughs> um, that, that's what happens at this time of night everybody's like because we're mainly volunteers and they're all been busy doing stuff for tomorrow and for monday and tuesday and so on we well, make a great point there, Noel. I, I think I wouldn't expect any fans to argue with, with the kind of way the wealth is distributed and how unfair it is. So we think sustainability is going to come up and get a lot of press this week because from our limited understanding, there's a report coming from Tracy Crouch. That's not a name that I'm that familiar with, to be honest. So, I mean, what is she doing and what are her reasons for doing it? And, and what is this report that's about to hit uh, at some point this week? Yeah, the Tracy Crouch review... Right, and you should really, this is a name to remember because hopefully this is the moment that football changes. And I mean that in a, in a really massively significant way. This could be like totally the time when football becomes different and the first time for decades and decades of opportunity. Tracy Crouch, in, well, in a Conservative manifesto, um, which is, you know, they pledged to do a fan-led review into football. And that all got speeded up with the ESL. So suddenly got extra weight. Tracy Crouch is a former Tory sports minister and actually is really well respected amongst cross parties. So like, you know, we've been speaking to several former Labour sports ministers and they've got a lot of time for Tracy Crouch. She went away and spoke to like dozens of football clubs, dozens of football sports associations, mainly fans groups. She also spoke to Fair Game. We had quite a few conversations with her. And her report is likely to come out later on this week. Um, and what we're expecting from that is the arrival of an independent regulator to look at how football is, is governed and run. Uh, answers on stuff like um, the Golden Share, which is the, the Crown Jewels I mentioned earlier on, the club name, about how, uh, how that's secured going forward. Um so I think it's even like fans on boards, and, but it's more like to be like fans, fans groups, fans forums being, you know, properly having a, a chance to make sure certain things don't happen at a club. Like, you know, things like the Bluebirds of Cardiff playing in red or Hull City being called Hull Tigers without any consultation with fans. Those days would go. Um, so there's quite a lot of things happening. So Tracy Crouch's review is a moment. It's a huge moment. Um, you know, we've been working really hard to put the momentum on to make sure yeah, it, uh, it gets as much support as it can do um, because we're, we're quite optimistic about what it's going to say. But the key for it is that it mun mustn't be allowed to die. And what I mean by that is there's going to be a lot of pressure, potentially from the Premier League, to make sure that it just either gets massively weakened or ends up being a dusty report in the cellars underneath the House of Parliament. It's what we need from Fair Game and from anyone who really wants to see a better future for football is to really reach out and try and make sure that their politicians, their councils, anyone influential does everything they can to make sure that that report gets into legislation, gets, in, gets to a point where it is a bill being proposed and it does go through Parliament. That's where we need to be at because we need it urgently otherwise football just continue to be broken and that's where we're at at the moment so that's the big ask it's like you know you can go to our website fairgameuk.org you can email us at contact at fairgameuk.org 
and really just say, right, I'm, I want to do something. I want to make a difference because we need it. Um, you know, it's not going to happen. I'm, ne- I'm never going to say I can do it on my own. I definitely can't. Um, you know, I, that's why we've got all these clubs together. That's why we've got all these academics together. That's why we've got, you know, 100 of volunteers helping us on a, on a daily basis. We need numbers. We need people to reach out and do stuff because otherwise this moment will pass and we will see more failed football clubs. We will see the likes of Reading getting away with spending 270, 207% of their revenue on players' wages, which doesn't make any economic sense. Mm. Um, you know, that just needs to end. It just needs to stop. And it's only going to have this one chance to do it. Uh, I've brought profit on a lot then, but it's, I'm so passionate about this. I so, you know, want to see difference, want to see change. Um, you know, it's it's been a real privilege leaving fair game during this period. One one final question from us before we let let you go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. In terms of Tracy Crouch, what how much kind of power and authority has she been given by? I mean, I'm assuming the the FA Premier League EFL they all kind of need to be on board with this. So is it a question that whatever Tracy says? happens how how much authority and power does she have and how much could the Premier League the EFL and the FA kibosh whatever she says or suggests or recommends or tries to implement I think they're all going to try and implement it and change it to the way they want definitely Um, the EFL basically probably will agree with most of what Tracy Crowder says their issue will be on financial flow because the voting structure of the EFL is well, kind of balances heavily in favour of the championship clubs. Mm. So, um, who are their member clubs? Basically, twenty-four of them yeah. are their member clubs, right? Yeah. So basically, an, an, uh, a championship club gets three votes. League One club gets two. League Two clubs get one vote. Which means if the champ, you can only ever get something through if uh, you know all the League One and League Two clubs got together they still wouldn't be able to beat the championship clubs mm. right so that's kind of where they're at um so they're they're weighted heavily in favor of the championship premier league don't like the idea of an independent regulator because it'll be sticking the noses into how they run things mm-hmm. um so they'll they'll campaign against it though we think they might be happy to lose the parachute payments the fa should be the regulator but they have been ineffectual in doing that for a very very long time so I think you'll be looking at the FA looking at themselves and going, right, well, how do we make ourselves fit for purpose? And they need to probably, they're probably 15 years off that. And in 15 years' time, maybe the independent regulator goes back into the FA, but it isn't going to happen soon because they just, they've failed football in so many different ways. So that's kind of where you are. Um, how much influence does Tracy Crouch have? Well, we, we understand is that she's, you know, currently quite popular with Boris, um, and that's large because there's a populist argument about what we're talking about here. Yeah, he saw the direction of travel with the uh, ESL. He saw how much you know that that can make a difference. And so there's a bit of an, a feeling that it could happen, but it, we just need to get the momentum up because you know at any more moment in time there could be another favourite thing, and we just need to make sure that the current favourite thing is is the uh, delivery of, a, of this family review and make sure it becomes legislation. So we, we can't sit on our laurels, we can't say anything like that because it, we just need to make sure that this is seen as important and it is, you know, makes a huge difference to all those communities across the country. So, you know, John Cryer 
uh, MP for Leighton and Wake yeah. Monster, I think, yeah. is, a, is a big supporter uh, of Fair Game uh, and he's pushing for it. But, you know, there are plenty of other MPs that will be sitting in, uh, having Leighton and Wake fans in their constituencies and we really need them to reach out wherever they are and say, right, look, this means a lot to me. What are you going to do about it? Uh, and try and get them on board and as many of them on board as possible. And we're even looking at councils, you know, if you know councillors, get them on board, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's about the political momentum now and keeping that up. Um, yeah, it's exciting times, but, you know, we need we need you. <laughs> to be honest, we need you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So great stuff. So, Niall, I guess you've already mentioned it in terms of you're looking for volunteers. So if anyone's listened to this and is inspired by you, you did, we'll obviously post your details and share like the Twitter feed, so you're quite easy to contact. So if anyone is listening and wants to hook up with you guys and give you guys a hand, that's all good, and they'll be able to do that. Brilliant, and I look forward to it, and good luck to the O's for the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, and the same to the Dons, and, and we'll keep in touch with you, and we'll, we'll perhaps have you back on uh, at some point in the near future and uh, see how, how progress is being made and, and see how things following Tracy's report or review, which is due out later this week, and, and, and keep a, a close touch uh, touching base on this. Thanks for joining us, now. All the best to you. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was Niall from Fair Game. So we were approached by Fair Game earlier in the week. They said they'd been working um, with Leighton Ori, and it sounded like it'd be worth getting um, Niall on the episode. So we hope everyone's enjoyed that. A bit different from what we normally do with our guests, but we thought yeah. the opportunity was too good to turn down and obviously the club has spoken at length about sustainability and it's great to see people like Niall and his team and Fair Game push for that because it's very important. There's a lot of clever people on that advisory board, on the legal side of things, there's barristers, sports lawyers, it seems to have happened, like how have we, how have we kind of missed that well, so, so I mean, much? I mean to know? be fair, we're, we're quite a lucky club now and we won several years ago but you know under Nigel Travis and Kent... Uh, and all in the investment, we haven't got any worries. And we're quite lucky like that. We can go to bed at night and not worry about what's going to happen in yeah. the future of late night. But there's many clubs out there who aren't like that. So it's great to see that work being done. That three to four million quid that he said could potentially come to the O's, I mean, that just wipes out Mental. the two point something yeah. million that we lose every, or have lost in the last year, and actually puts us into profit and actually will help us be more prosperous because it means that then we'll be able to, to maybe get better players or have a bigger squad of players. So, yeah. Fantastic. Love it. So once again, thanks to Niall. Thanks to Fair Game for making contact with the Orient Outlook podcast. And Josh for getting in touch with us from uh, from Fair Game as well. Great to have them on. And as I say, we'll keep you uh, we'll keep you up to date with what they're doing. Yeah, so Supporters Club updates in. So one trip to tell you about. You all know what's coming up. Northampton away this Saturday, the 27th of November. If you want to get on that coach, it will cost you £27 for an adult fare, £24 for concessions, and if you're under 15, it'll be 14 quid. Coaches depart Brisbane Road for this one at half 10 in the morning, and if you aren't a member, it will cost you an additional £3. And remember that that price does not include your match day ticket. So if you want to book this one now, you'll have to call the travel line, and their number is 07507 539579. That is it. So let's crack on then with the week that was. We're nearly at the half hour uh, point now. So happy Monday, the 15th of November. And XO's Dean Smith was confirmed as the new manager of Norwich City eight days after he was sacked from Aston Villa. And they won. 
They won yesterday, so yeah, yeah, fair play, the, good start. But also Villa won as well, so fair play to Steven Gerrard. <laughs> <laughs> also on Monday, Dan Happy made it a happier Monday. He was nominated for the Papa John's Trophy Player of the Round, following three appearances, three clean sheets, and he also scored a very beautiful headed goal away to Crawley. So good luck with that one, Dan. I'm sh- I don't even know when the results of that one are coming out. I presume they might be announced soonish because the next round is pretty sharpish so hopefully Dan Happy becomes even happier when he scoops up that player of the round I hope so I hope so too he's not had much uh, of an opportunity uh, this season you know with what's been going on so the fixture schedule for next season was confirmed in case you missed it it was announced that the championship league one and league two will start on the weekend of Saturday the 30th of July this is to accommodate the World Cup at the end of next year. So it's a week early. Uh, The Carabao Cup will start on the 8th of August. Uh, The Papa John's Trophy will start week commencing the 29th. And the finals of of both competitions will be on the 26th of February for the Carabao Cup, the 19th of March for Papa John's. I think the playoff final is going to be the weekend of May the 6th as well. Um, So yeah, some dates for your diaries there, just in case you missed them. Yeah, I, it's going to be a very uh, cramped summer this yes. summer for a massive winter break next winter. So to Huey yeah. Tuesday in 16th of November and in the <laughs> evening, the youth team were in action. They were home to Newport County in the second round of the FA Youth Cup and the draw for the third round was made earlier that day with the winners awaiting a very prosperous away tie to Chelsea in the third round. So the team was announced with Phillips, Kwachi, Soji, Harvest, Apat, Iberio, Tanga, Clements, Smith Kawazi, Nkrumah, and Charlie Pegram. On the bench for this one, we had R. Pegram, Eaton, Ojo, Davies, and Avagustidis. Agustidis, yeah, very good, Mr. Nesbrand. The young O's raced into the lead in the second minute as Rion Smith Kawazi made it 1-0. He then doubled our lead in the 13th minute, made it 2-0, and things got even better in the 23rd minute as Daniel Nkrumah, that's a name that you will not forget anytime soon, made it 3-0, which is how the score stayed for the rest yeah. of the half. Amazing first half from yeah. the It continued in the second half, and three minutes in, it was four as Daniel Nkrumah scored his second goal of the game. Ten minutes later, he got his hat-trick. He made it 5-0. Scoring wasn't over. Clements made it 6-0 in the 61st minute. Newport scored a consolation in the 75th minute as the match finished 6-1 with the Young O's marching on to the third round and a match away to Chelsea. Date for that one and a venue, we believe, is yet to be confirmed. I think there's lots of interested Orient fans awaiting that one just to see where that tie will be played. We think it's Stamford Bridge, don't we? Because they've not applied to have their... Games yeah. played at either Cobham or Kingstonian, which I think is a couple of grounds that have been mentioned. But as it stands, there's no reason to suggest it would be anywhere other than Stanford Bridge. Looking at the list of teams who have applied to play their games in that competition elsewhere, so fingers crossed it gets to be played at Stanford Bridge. Yeah. I mean, what an experience that would be for those young O's, and I think that will be open. That will be young. That will be open to the public. I imagine yeah. we'll take a good following to, yeah. to go and watch the youth there. So and it, and it would be a seven seven o'clock kickoff on a on a midweek night as well. Yeah. So. Uh, all good there. The highlights are on YouTube. Well worth a watch. Absolutely. I mean, for th- their performances recently have been nothing short of incredible. We've certainly got a strong uh, youth academy set up, and Brian Sarr and Alex Lawless are doing a tremendous job yeah. there with the guys. Great stuff, lads. So Wednesday the seventeenth of November. Then three years ago on this very day, 
we beat Bromley FC at home, as you may remember. We beat them 3-1 with this special V-shirt in commemoration of World War One shirts. Coroma. It's still Coroma. Still Coroma. Coroma! It's like a tribute to Andy Gills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great, great commentator. It does make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And then the celebration in George Porter's face, I won't ever forget. There were lots of great games that season. For me, yeah. That's probably like I've got two favourite games from that season: Bromley at home and yeah. Sutton away. Because Bromley at home, they remember one 0 down at half time. Yeah. It's cold, horrible. horrible. But we were in the white shirt, and you're thinking, "Ah, oh, we're going to struggle in the second half." But Joby scored an amazing free kick, and I was back at that. Karoma went on his amazing little run, scored the second, which we all was yeah. right in front of us basically. And then Bond got a third and done the old salute, and that was just an amazing day. So. Great times will never be forgotten that game. Yeah, one of my Sutton with the goalie doing the kick-ups on the, <laughs> that one. Yeah, more to come on Sutton very shortly in the podcast. Thursday the 18th of November, nothing happened at the club. A very quiet day, no news to report, so we'll move on. Yeah, Kenny Friday the 19th of November. It definitely was Lawrence Vigaru's 28th yeah. birthday, so happy birthday, Loz. Happy birthday, Loz. That wasn't the only thing that happened on Friday. As the club announced that young O, Jaden Sweeney, has joined National League side Wildstone on an initial one-month loan deal. So we wish Jaden all the best at Wildstone. Go out there, get some experience, show us what you can be done. Come back and smash it. We saw Shad Ogie go out on loan, two loan spells last season. He did, yeah. Come back all the better for it. We yeah. saw Got a few well. other players go out on loan and come back off the back of that. Great experience. So, yeah, it worked. Why not? Go it out really, there and get really football. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, Saturday the 20th of November then, in the morning, the youth team hosted Cambridge United. They went down 1-0 quite early on, but equalised the game through that Rion smith Kwasi, his name popping up yeah. again, but conceded just before half-time to go in 2-1 down at the break. But the second half, the O's saw the O's equalise thanks to a deflective effort, deflected effort sorry, from Charlie Pegram. The young O's won the game in the 96th minute as hat-trick hero from earlier in the week, Daniel Nkrumah, that name again, scoring to make it 3-2 to the mighty O. So well done, young O's. Shows a lot of mental resilience to go behind and then come back and, and actually take all three points. They've done that a few times this they season have. through second-half performances. What a week for those young men. Two wins, two games. Two great performances. Against teams you know, who at our level Cambridge slightly above in yeah. the league above. So well done, yeah. like you said, Brian Sarr and Alex Lloyd's doing a fantastic job. So that was in the morning. In the afternoon, it was time for the main event as Sutton United visited the home of football. And before the game, we ran a Twitter poll, as always, to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. We had 157 votes in 24 hours, with 13% of you cynical bunch thinking the O's would lose this one, 16% thinking the game would be drawn, and an overwhelming majority, 71% voting that the O's would win. And as always, thank you to everyone who takes the time out to vote on our Twitter polls. And considering Sutton were above us and doing and winning games <laughs> and doing quite well, it's actually like an, that is overwhelmingly like, right. staggering. So fair play, 71% of you were correct. So <laughs> the team was announced at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Vigoru in goal, James, Mitchell, Beckles, Ogie, Archibald, Clay, Kiprianu, Kemp, Drinnen and Smith were the starting 11. Substitutes for this one, Byrne, Wood, Happy, Thompson, Prattley, Smith, Paul Smith and Satorio. Yeah, so that meant that the O's were unchanged from the starting 11 that lined up last week against Rochdale as Paul Smith was named on the bench following his toe injury. Bearded Lejande, what were your views at 2 o'clock when you saw that team announcement? 
Yeah, I like an unchanged side. I've said that often enough in the past. We all remember how our last encounter uh, with Sutton finished. Um, yeah, great. L looking forward to this. I think that with uh, Smith, Drin and Kemp you know, all doing pretty well at the moment, I'm still not keen on Theo Archibald as that left wing back. I think he's so much the attack-minded player that it hampers him by having to do the defensive work. But that's what Kenny Jackett wants, so that's what, that's what happens. Yeah, I think for me, I, I think we said this last week, I said Kenny had some big choices to make after two defensive uh, lapses and concentrations the week before, but yeah. he stayed with it, changed up, fair play to him. I mean, the thing that really struck me when I looked at that side wasn't more of the starting eleven. it was more of those bench. players who've returned to the bench, got Connor Wood, who's a decent left-back at this level, Dan Appy, who, who is a decent centre-back, Adam Thompson, who we know is a brilliant defender and sooner or later will be in that starting eleven in my eyes anyway. Darren Prattley, who we all thought would we'll be starting pretty much consistently all season, who's now dropped to the bench. Great sub to have on the bench. Yeah. Paul Smith, who we all expect big things from and has been injured for most of the season, so isn't ready for the starting eleven. And Ross Atuyu, so that's a very, very strong bench. We talk about strength and depth. I'd trust any one of those subs to come in and do a job for us. Whereas earlier in the season, there's a lot of youth players in and due to injuries and and whatnot. So really good for me. So really happy with that. Lots of tweets coming in at two o'clock. Lots of tweets that weren't so happy. I think yeah. Theo Archibald, you mentioned, and lots of tweets about Theo Archibald in particular. Dan Alton, 2590, started off by saying, not happy with Theo, still being wing-back when Sutton have a right-winger who, if is on his game, will run us ragged. Yeah, which Theo Archibald had, no, Alex Mitchell, I beg your pardon, had mentioned about him in pre-match. He was a, he's a Millwall boy on loan. Ah, so he knows Sutton, him. So he knows him, and he said, he commented how difficult a player he oh, okay. is to handle. So I think Dan Dan's right there. Billy Carroll, GB, is not happy at all. He said, why is Theo still at left wing back? Why is Ogie starting, still persisting with 3-4-3 three, three when it doesn't work? And I think, Billy, to your point there, the fact that we're in and around the playoffs means it is working. If we were where Scunthorpe are, or if we were like around that lower end of the table, I'd probably be inclined to agree. But the fact that we're in and around the playoffs and still within spitting distance of automatics, it's ar arguably that's not right, is it? It's the half full against the half empty, isn't it? Yeah. You've only won five at this point in 16 against the... Well, we've only lost two out of 16. It's the half full, half empty. Yeah. There's an argument but to say... But we've only won five out of 16. We should have won more. Yeah, and there's absolutely. an argument to say we haven't, we haven't so, lost. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Gorillas, 1985, said, with Dan Kemp playing well now, Kenny still trying to fit Archibald in the team could be his downfall with against a strong opposition, although I hope I am wrong. Yeah, Barnes, Tim said, I love the shape and balance of this team. If we can keep this 11 fit for the vast majority of the season, we'll be there or thereabouts. Strong bench too. So good point, actually. I didn't, I didn't make any mention uh, of the bench, but actually quite a defensive bench uh, other than really Smith and Satoru. Um, so not a great deal of options to go all out. I, well, it was a strong bench. But got... then you've got I'm a... Smith, yeah. Pratt, uh, Smith, uh, Drynan, um, and I said Drinan, didn't I? Uh, it's Drynan, uh, Smith, Archibald, and the contributions from Tom James as well, and Hector getting forward. So, but anyway, yes, it's it, it's a more defensive bench. Ewan Carter, twenty three, said, "I'm not ready for the Sutton right winger on his day to run us ragged when he's got probably one of the best wingers in the league playing against him out of position." Theo's so wasted out there; it's becoming a brophy scenario. <laughs> It's been yeah, mentioned. It's starting, it's starting to come up every week now, a la the James Brophy scenario that I thought we had gotten away from, but it seems like it's back 
and reared its head against Theo Archibald. But again, we'll talk about lots of views post-match and Theo's own performance, which I think we all agree yesterday was very good. And you can't really criticise Kenny for selecting him there when he puts in performances like that. But that's more of a post-match view uh, to take on it. And also, as we'll see later on, with Theo assisting and scoring, Kenny's right to put him where he is because of what's happening. Um, and I think if you ask Theo Archibald where he prefers to play, he'll say left wing up front. Whereas James Brophy was like, oh, as long as I'm playing well for the, as long as I'm in the team, I don't think you'll get that from Theo. So, but anyway, so the match got off, uh, got underway in E10, and despite a fast start uh, from Sutton in the first few minutes, they re- uh, sorry from Orient uh, in the first few minutes, Sutton were on top uh, for the sort of first 10, 20 minutes. They took the lead in the 17th minute following a mistake by Shadrach Ogi as his miscontrol of the ball ended up with Isaac Oloafi, who still had quite a bit to do. He drove forward, as you've probably all seen the highlights by now, yeah. drove into the box and smashed it past Lawrence Vigarou at his near post and made it 1-0 to the visitors with a dodgy goal celebration to boot. Great finish from the young man. I mean, lots of wrong defensively there, but he still has a lot... To do. I mean, you could argue that Shad should take him out really once he's behind him and take the book in and take one for the team, which he doesn't, and he'll learn from that. But the only problem with that is if he takes a book in in the 17th minute, he's then got another 73, 70-odd minutes of playing. If he gets another second yellow, then it's dangerous, isn't it? That's the kind of... Oh, of course. The balance, but then he's conceded a goal, so... At least you could be taken off and Connor Wood could go on it. Exactly. There, there are different permutations off the back of that, isn't there? I thought it was a poor choice of pass, actually, from Alex Mitchell. Yeah. Um, he didn't need to go backwards. It could have gone forward. Yeah. But not, not to take nothing away from Shad, he miscontrolled that. Yeah. And he didn't recover. Um, and not enough of the players. Obviously, everyone was so far forward, they weren't able to get back because they were expecting yeah. the ball to go forwards rather than sort of side and back. Um, but yeah, look, it is what it is. Uh, I agree with you. I think you should have probably taken him out. Yeah, hopefully, the you, know, you learn. That's what young players right. do. They learn from the experience and luckily, you know, we'll talk about the rest of the game. Until yeah. It wasn't too costly. 29th minute then, we were level as a Tom James long throw was headed on by Harry Smith. Theo Archibald was in the right place at the right time, tapped in the knockoff from close range to make it one all. Now, I didn't see that one coming. I think we were talking. It was a bit dull. It was a bit down. We'd started slowly. Sutton looked the better team, I thought, after the first yeah. goal for a little while. Yeah. And we were just chatting and we had a throw. Tom James took it and it seemed to me a bit like out of nothing. I didn't, we weren't yeah. battering him at that point and it looked like an equaliser was coming. That goal for me was kind of out of the blue and great to see and good to see Archibald up the pitch in the right areas that I guess we all want to see him in. Finishes it well, good goal, back in it. Natural instinct of a left winger, a left or an attacking player yeah. to be to be there, and he's obviously something. It looks like that's been worked on because Theo's in the right place at the right time, uh, either by natural thinking or by the fact that they've played for that and ha- and they know yeah. that Harry Smith's going to get the knock on. Who's going to be there to pick up that knock on? And as it turned out. Thankfully, Theo was. So, yeah, really nice goal. I love a long throw. It's something that we haven't seen since the Slade era really put to effect at Orion. We had, obviously, Nathan Clark, Lynn Cuthbert. Yeah, but Link's throw weren't that great. It was, it was nothing, oh, I, I nothing on par with what Tom James is doing. And you've got Theo who can put it in like that. And you've got Shadow who can put it in like that. See, I don't we, think we're we using, using it as a really uh, good yeah. weapon. 
But I don't think we used it properly. I didn't think we had the players net like we have now when we had Sam Ling throwing in the long balls. He's, he's, he's got a decent long throw on him, Sam Ling. Sam Ling. In my opinion. He's gone. Let's not talk about Sam Ling anymore. He is at Daggers. Doing very well by the sounds of it. But. Yeah, there was... But we're not a Dagenham podcast. There was a let-off for Orion in the 35th minute as Richie Bennett took a shot from about 20 yards out, maybe a bit more. Lawrence Vigrew was certainly beaten by his shot as it hit the post and bounced across the face of the goal and eventually cleared out. Great effort. Really good effort. Unlucky. He was really unlucky. That's hit the foot of the post. But luckily for us, it's no one's been able to get that close to it. That's literally about half a yard. It's fine margins, isn't it? It's fine margins. What football is all about. Yeah. We survived that one in the 40th minute. We came within a few inches of getting the lead. Zaren Drinan anticipated a headed back pass back to Buzanis. Beat the keeper to it, but rolled just wide agonisingly yeah Orient were millimetres away just three minutes later from taking the lead as Archibald's corner was met by Smith his glancing head had just cleared the crossbar unfortunately yeah three minutes of additional time were added on and a few seconds later Shadogi crossed the ball in Harry Smith again got his head onto it just over the bar so the teams went in one all at the break so a bit of a dodgy start from the O's once we equalised though we looked well on top yeah. however though Sutton still looked dangerous when they came at us but we got the initiative back, crowd a bit louder. Obviously, confidence was back. A few more decent passes. Archibald starting to get a bit more forward with his crossing. Yeah. So, it was encouraging. Good half football, I thought. Could have gone either way that first half. Yeah. Arguably, they started slightly stronger than us for the first period, but then we kind of regained yeah. control. Richie Bennett's goal goes in. Different kettle of fish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, different outcome. Kid Sampson O tweeted us at half-time and said, Sutton are a good, strong side with excellent shape and game plan. They were much the better side until we until we equalised and would like to see Darren Prattley out there to make us more physically competitive in the centre of the park and Dan Kemp is the key to unlocking him. Yeah, Great Kemp, tweet. Kemp was getting in some good spaces and looking fairly lively. So yeah, attendance was announced 5,840 with 567 away fans, so not a bad turnout there. So at half-time, there were no changes for the O's and Sutton got the second half underway. And within the first minute, Orient took the lead as a Theo Archibald cross caused problems. Buzanis could only flap at the ball, which dropped to Harry Smith, who made no mistake from close range to head the ball into an empty net. And it was 2-1 Orient. So all those people still struggling in the South Stand Bar, you missed a goal. Ed Morgan, you missed a goal, my friend. But for me, right place, right time again for Harry Smith. He's done that a couple of times this season. But for me... I thought it was a foul on their keeper. I've got to be fair and look at it from both ways. You think it was a foul on their keeper? Well, Drynan, if you watch it again, Drynan, look, watch what Drynan does to their defenders right next to their keeper. Just smacks him into him, takes the keeper clean out. Uh, see, Very I, I, clever I, play, I, Aaron Drynan. Right, I didn't see, I didn't catch that bit. I just saw the keeper catch the ball, go over his man, and then drop the ball. <laughs> his man, I think the people to point is his man is being pushed into him by by Drynan, who's giving him a little shove. Love him even more now. <laughs> love that. Absolutely love that. Dan Kemp went close with a free kick that he won in the 49th minute. It was just outside the box. He just missed yeah. the target. That was inches wide of the bar there. Yeah, shortly after in the 52nd minute, a great chance for Sutton to level the score as Olo, Olo, Olo Afi was found himself in on goal. I think it was a straight back pass, wasn't it? He was in it was side-footed, plays. a weak yeah. effort I think against Lawrence Vigoru. Yeah, should have done better there. Lucky to, to still be in the lead oh, after that. Not. 
No, that was a Craig Clay's one was later on. But yeah, absolutely right. Beckles was screaming at the rest of the squad Good. as to how that's happened. How did that happen? Yeah. I, I think partially he might have been responsible if my memory served me right. It, it's one of those where kind of like it's your fault, but actually I'm going to deflect responsibility <laughs> and go, why weren't you? What's going on here? Why is this happening? Um, then moments later at the other end, a Theo Archibald cross was met by Hector Kiprianu from a couple of yards out, but his effort agonisingly cannoned off the crossbar. It was easier to score than to hit the cross. Not that I've ever been in that position to know, <laughs> but with the goal as big as it is and the crossbar as small as it is, how he's managed to to not score, it's harder to do that than it is to score. So I feel for him because that should have been that should have been a goal. I think there's two points there. I think one is unapologetically, Theo Archibald is by far and away the best crosser at Leighton Orient, if yeah. not in the league. Some of the or crosses he was putting in, from those positions from the left, I think the reason why Hector Kiprianu misses it is because he doesn't think he's going to be, it's going to be put for him on the plate there. just doesn't expect the quality yeah, of the ball. And Theo doesn't need to take a running leap to it. He can just literally look up and ping it. So it was a great cross, and I think we've said it plenty of times on this podcast. I said it a few times in the first half, that for all of his skills at left wing back you want him up the pitch to put balls like that into the box because with your Harry Smiths and your Drynans and your on-running midfielders like Kiprianos and those points they want to play for him and I think secondly to go back to my original point I think Kipriano is such a surprise that it's not that it's got to him he's not ready for it so his body's at a, a bizarre okay. angle and yeah. he's like his legs like above his head because <laughs> he's trying to get to it but He'll look at that, I guess, and be disappointed, but a fantastic cross there from uh, from Theo Archibald. Yeah, the, the level of crossing in our team has certainly Amazing. improved this season. There's no question about it. Craig Clay's misplaced pass that I mistakenly mentioned <laughs> earlier put in Oluafi again uh, as his cross comes shot across goal. Thankfully, it was gobbled up by Lawrence Vigarou. So, yeah, I mean, we w- were looking the better team, but we looked like we had a defensive mistake still in us at that Spot. point. So, it was it, at that point, I think you're looking like it could have gone either way. We were getting a few tweets in saying this can go, yeah. this can go both ways here. So, we wouldn't, get, we weren't going to lose this because Sutton outplayed us or strong armed us. We would lose this game because of our mistakes. Throw it away. Yeah, yeah. good point. So, 67th minute in, Shad Ogie was booked for a foul. When it actually looked like Shad Ogie was fouled. Yeah. <laughs> because I it looked like he had been slid on, but the ref gave a foul to them and a book into Shad. Yeah, is it a bit a bit of a shocking one that one? 76 minutes on the clock then. A misclearance from Shad Ogie again saw the ball bounce. No, sorry, that wasn't Shad, was it? I thought yeah, it was, it was Shad, it was Shad, Shad. Yeah, yeah, I remember this um, one. Saw the ball bounce around the penalty box and eventually Lawrence Vigor, who happened to be in the right place, to catch a goal-bound effort. Yeah, because we didn't deal with that. that. Was we just let he, it bounce he again. Cleared it from the left, and it just spent ages in the Up air. In the and you're like, oh, where's this ball going? But again, yeah. got away with it. 80th minute in first O's subs. Hector Kiprianu was replaced by Darren Pratley. Yes, 82 minutes on the clock now. Game set and match, and the main talking point of the game as Harry Smith got his ninth goal of the season, and what a corker it was! Probably goal of the month, maybe goal of the season, as it was a Tom James long throw was cleared only as far as Harry Smith from... Typically for him, he's normally in and around the box. This one was from about 22, 23 yards out, uh, and he just smacked it first time past the goalkeeper. Amazing. Top bins, fan- cue, cue hysteria and pandemonium. Fantastic volley. No keeper is saving that. It could have been De Gea in that goal, or oh, Alisson, no or... Yeah. Eduardo, whatever his name is, that was an amazing finish. That'll win goal of the month. That probably wins goal of the season. If you've been on social media today, you've probably seen that goal 
uh, from all types of angles. It's amazing how many fans are filming the half chances in the ground. So yeah. I've seen like, about eight different views from different fan cameras. Yeah, great. But what a hit. It, it, as I say, no keeper in the world is saving that. He won't hit a sweeter body than that in his life. And so it was great to be there and see that when he actually did it, no chance would be amazing. Yeah, and, and if you haven't voted yet, Quest TV have put that as one of the goals of the weekend against the guy Cole Stockton from Morecambe. So get voting if you haven't done uh, that I've already. got to say though, Cole Stockton. That's a worldie. That's a worldie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is that is a worldie. I don't think he'll win that. But again, it's a popularity contest. If we vote more than that, then yeah, that's of what course, happens. Yeah. 85 minutes, it was the second or in substitution as Aaron Drynan's uh, game was over. He was replaced by Paul Smith. Yeah, six minutes of additional time was shown by the fourth official. And in the second minute, Leo's got a corner with a short corner routine. Caught the Sutton players out. It was Theo Archibald. Played a pass into Dom James. He had a shot. Beat Buzanis. Hit the back of the net. Make it 4-1. For me, that was easy. We're not going to score an easier goal than that in the league this season. Sutton's heads were gone. Yeah. They weren't expecting it. We're still fresh. Nice. And Tom James gets yet another goal. And Theo Archibald gets another assist. Things you love to see. 100%. Like You just couldn't, you just couldn't plan this. We rarely score from corners. <laughs> but, you know, between the player on the post on the near post and the goalkeeper, that needs addressing from Sutton's point of view. I don't really care enough to really go into that too much, but it's nice to see a different corner routine. Obviously something they've worked on yeah, in the training ground. So, yeah, really good. Yeah, 93rd minute, almost 5-1. Sutton lost mm. possession at this point. They just wanted the full-time whistle to go. Theo intercepted a back pass, was in... When he only had the keeper to beat from a tight angle, he hit the post and the ball went out of play. He had much better options. If he squares it at Paul Smith, Paul Smith's got an absolute tap in and Dan Kemp was running in and probably would have buried it. But however, I can't be too critical for Archibald. We're four and up, but you know, it's and not life or death. A second goal, does yeah. it? So he's that kind of minded player. There were no further talking points and the game ended with Orient running out 4-1 winners as rocking all over the world blared out over the Brisbane Road Tannoys and the O's were applauded. Off yeah. the pitch. So Kenny Jacket went to talk to Dave Victor after the game. We're not going to play it for you this week. That interview is on YouTube in all its glory. So if you want to watch that, you can go and watch Kenny speak to Dave Victor on YouTube. So thanks to Dave, as always, for sending that over to us. So that win sees the O's climb back into the playoff spots in League 2. We have now played 17-1-6, draw 9, still lost only two games. That goal difference now has rocketed up again. So goal difference now of plus 16 and 27 points. So Bearded Lejande, before my cat, literally tears your hand off. What were your views on yesterday's game? Yeah, absolutely brilliant, entertaining game. Uh, it had goals, near misses, good passages of play. Really, really entertaining uh, game, actually, as it, as it turned out. Never really felt that Sutton were dangerous enough to win the game, as I said a moment ago, unless we actually made a mistake and gifted it to them. But to, to be fair to them, you can see why they're, they're yeah. in the position yeah. in the league where they are. They've got a, a strong physical side. They've got good set of players, technically. They want to play good football and we prefer teams that like to play football because we've got great counter-attacking players that can instantly turn def defence into attack. The Archibalds, the, the Drinnens, the Smiths of this world and, and to an extent Hector Kiprianu as well. So it, it was it was absolutely fantastic and yes, and, and Sutton had some dangerous players as well. Oluafi, uh, clearly a good player. Uh, they had another guy, their number 16, 16 or their number... They're 16 and 7. Two sides. Yeah. yeah, 
two very, very skillful, dangerous players. So, you know, you can see why they are where they are in the league. They've had a good start. With Shadrach's misclearance and their effort off the post, we should probably feel a bit lucky to be walking away with, with all three points. I listened to the Sutton manager's post-match comments yeah. as well. He was gracious in defeat. Like you said to me, it didn't feel like a 4-1 game. It's probably yeah. a bit harsh on them. Um, but we had some chances and we were really clinical. Yeah. And we, we made sure we put them to bed and that's what we need. We're now, I think, the highest scoring team uh, in yep. the league. We don't do things lightly. Five nils, five fives and fours and fours. And, you know, it just keeps coming. Um, I thought Tom James, Harry Smith, Craig Clay and Dan Kemp were excellent. I think they had superb games. I think probably if Dan Kemp would have scored, I think he would have probably been... The uh, you know in without hero of the week shout uh, for this week. Uh, it's fine margins at this point. Glad to get all three points coming from behind to win. I feel always is a little bit sweeter uh, as well. And interestingly, that is now four goals and four assists for Tom James this season. Uh, prolific for a wing back, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, Harry Smith's on nine league goals now. Drynan has seven, and Theo's got four. So the point I'm trying to make here is it's good that we've got gold coming from all over the pitch. We're not relying on just one player uh, for contributions of goals. So I think that's uh, that's something that when we when when teams have done well, they've had goals coming from defence, midfield, and attack, mm. not just relying on one particular person. Um, and to top the day off, as I was leaving the club through reception, I bumped into Coley Parry and his future father-in-law, and they were walking Lottie home. Oh, lovely. They were making sure she got home nice and safely. So, you know, just what to what Niall was saying about a community, family, caring club, prime yeah. example of yeah. it. Prime example of it. So, really wholesome and a great end to a tremendous Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that game. That was a good game of football. I enjoyed it. Certainly a decent team, to be fair. And they came at us. They didn't sit back like many other teams do. They came for a yeah. game of football. I mean, we started... If you're going to criticise the team and that performance, you could say, well, we started slowly. And that seems to be a bit of a common theme with yeah. Orient these days is it takes a goal from the opposition or it takes until the second half before we get clicking into gear, really. So that was the only kind of negative for me for that one. Silly error from Shad, but like we said, as long as he learns from it, learn and you take it forward and it hasn't cost us but mm. fair play to them the heads didn't drop on the team they fought for each other and you can tell there's a really good spirit uh, with that team of lads and I said to you and I still think this point could be valid I said had we lost this game 1-0 all of a sudden people would stop talking about two losses all season suddenly the focus would become on how little we've won all season but what do I know we won the game 4-1 but good to see Archibald score that kind of came out of the blue for me Harry Smith, I think I've been quite critical of Harry Smith over the last three or four weeks, but nothing to be critical of yesterday. Played superbly, won the knockdown, was a fawn in that defensive side all game. Gets a headed tapping and scores an amazing goal, so he'll be delighted with that. Brilliant. Fourth was the icing on the cake, I think you mentioned it. Didn't feel like a 4-1. I think some manager will probably feel hard done by that he his does, team been done by yeah. three. Didn't feel like that, although we did deserve to win, obviously. And when we beat teams, we really beat them. What have we seen? We've seen a 4-0, 5-0, 4-1 this season. Yeah. What has been raised. When we get going and really start clicking, teams can't live with us. And those are some big teams who we've beaten. So, great to see. Confidence will be massive for some of those players. Kemp, best performance of the season for me, bar none. I know he wasn't in our hair of the week, but you can only have four. But he played That's really it. well. Harry Smith got on the score sheet. Again, Theo Archibald, I think that probably does him the world of good from a defensive point of view as a left wing back in terms of him yeah. getting able to still get in those positions to be effective as a left wing back. A big week now that we'll obviously come to talk about to really push on and it was lovely to meet 
LOFC Teresa yes. in the south stand at half time so Teresa if you're listening which I'm sure you are it was lovely yes. to meet you so all in all thank you for coming say hello a great day loved yeah. it yeah love to meet people so those were our views um, we had a huge amount of feedback after this match so thanks to everyone uh, who sent their views into our social media accounts and as you probably know by now our social media accounts are sponsored by Town and Country Hearts and Essex and it was great to meet Charlie I think it was Mark, his colleague, yesterday. So great to meet you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for meeting up. Um, they are at Hearts Town on Twitter at Charlie underscore Paul uh, as well. C H A R L I E underscore P O L E. So if you are looking to sell or rent or buy or let, then Charlie and his team can absolutely help you, so do get in touch with them. So Len Chin Chin One gets the first say this week. He said it's an exciting game, but shows the character of the Orient side to come from behind for a win of that magnitude. The whole team pulled together, would have liked us to be a bit tighter at the back. Great performance from Harry Smith today. Prospects look good in the chase for promotion. Yeah, good tweet there from Len. Graham G, 1484-3952. Kept it short and sweet. So 2017, Sutton score first. Full-time, Orient 4, Sutton 1. 2021, Sutton score first. Full-time, Orient 4, Sutton 1. Yeah. That, or, that 2017 was Justin's first home game as well. The one I took, uh, I think, Jess Nussbaum to yeah. maintain a 100% record. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Good good, good point to bring to, to the fore there, Graham. Thanks for that. Richie J. Bourne said, took a lot of early pressure, but as soon as we levelled, our attacking play was unstoppable. Sutton had their chances, but our level of finishing was so much better. Yeah, good point. Wadsey said, what a result. Until we scored, we weren't in the game. But after equalising, there was only ever going to be one winner. And 4-1 didn't flatter us either. Mm. What a goal from Harry Smith. Let's build on this now. And also, Adam, it was great to see Adam in the South stand yesterday. I think uh, pre-match that was, we spoke to Wadsey. So, yep. yeah, great to see you again in the South. Yeah, Racker Blue App said, strange game. We played some wonderful football at times. And at other times, it looked like we were auditioning for a Penny Hill sketch at the back. Glad to have put four past Sutton, who I think will be a horrible club to play at theirs. Clay was outstanding. Smith was class as well. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. Dear Stu, so didn't expect that result after the first 20 minutes. Needed our first goal before half-time for sure. And what a hit from Big H for his second. Kemp, for me, was outstanding. Still needs to tighten up defensively as they could and should have had a couple more. LOFC underscore Ed said, Well, I didn't see that coming. I feared the worst when they hit the post, but we pulled it together. Craig Clay was absolutely superb, apart from a couple of mistakes. And what a hit from Harry Smith. However... We still have a lot of work on and we must get going faster. It's a fair point. We do start a bit slowly. We, we take do, a bit yeah. of time to get warmed up. Certainly does. And Ed, always good to see you when you're not at the South Stand Bar. Daniel <laughs> underscore D44 says that was a really exciting game. Two teams that like to attack. Could have been 7-4. Sutton started well but ran out of steam once we scored. Another great team performance. And an amazing goal by Smith. James O'Hagan said, At the risk of sounding cliche, a real Jekyll and Hyde performance today. Some absolutely terrible moments immediately followed by absolute genius. Harry Smith will never have a sweeter hit of the ball than he did for the third. Well worth the drive from Norwich. Come on, lads. Oh, that's a mission. Well yeah, played. Yeah, well played. 1965, AC, 1881. To start slowly, Sutton deserved the lead. Ramped up slowly after the goal. And when they're relentless, rode their luck a couple of times inside of the post and giving the ball away in dangerous places. Not pretty, but who can argue with a 4 1? 
Yeah, Wilco 300 said, Drynan is the difference. Never lets defenders rest and draws them into silly mistakes or lose loss of possession. No coincidence that our form has turned since he came back into the side. That's a fair point. That's a great point because Aaron Drynan will get none of the publicity from yesterday. He didn't score. Obviously, Harry Smith takes all the plaudits, but Drynan works his, his work rate. Backside off. Yeah. He's pressing hard from the front. So, That's very right. good spot there. Mark Ross, 07487. One zero three. I think this is a great tweet. It says Ogie and Mitchell stood up when they could have crumbled today. Hector improving and Kemp showing raw fight. With a bench like today's, we are only going one way. That's a great point, and particularly about Shad and Mitchell, young defenders playing Sutton, horrible team to play against. Collectively, a mistake gives away a goal. We go one 0 down. Their heads could have gone down. They could have lost it. But you have got players like Beckles, Vigaru, all experienced players telling them it will be okay. I think that's a great tweet. Nice one from Mark. Yeah. Totally agree. Phil VZ1 said, thought they started really well and it felt like Harrogate, but then we got the equaliser and looked comfortable. Fabulous strike for the third and a lovely fourth. There's a lot more to come from this squad and I'm excited for the season. Yeah, good tweet. Pandemonium, 1881. So very poor first 15 20 minutes. Although credit to Sutton, who came right at us from the go, gradually worked their way in, managed to start winning first and second balls and all three thirds. Bit of a goal out of nothing to equalise. Then rampant in the second half. LDP King said, Just as me and the fella next to me were slagging off the long throws, we go and score, and typical, typical Orient. Still not totally happy with the formation and the players like Archibald playing left wing back, but when you keep winning or drawing, at the very least, all you can do is clap Mr. King Kenny. It's a fair point. It's absolutely like right. said at the beginning. Can't, can't rip into him. Like we take it's our working. View. I think that, the thing I like about the way we do the pod is that we write our honest views down at two o'clock. So when you see Archibald's yes. left wing back, you go, Really? Don't really like that. Don't like that. But then when you win 4-1, we can't sit here and go, what's he doing? We won 4-1. <laughs> yeah. It's only when we lose yeah, exactly. that you it can will really criticise that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is another great tweet. Peter Foreman too said, this lot at home remind me of the promotion team of 88-89. Nine goals in two home games just is not Orient. Just need to play like that from the first minute, cut individual errors and the results at the end of the season may be the same as the 89 squad. Great tweet, Peter. Yeah, Vince Howard, 73, said, First 20 looked like the Harrogate game and thought we would struggle. Then we came alive and bossed most of the game, even if we were a bit lucky at both ends. Special mention to Kent, though. Thought he was exceptional. Oh, now that's 10 unbeaten in all competitions. That's kind of gone under the radar, Massively. I feel. Uh, do a few tweets about the unbeaten in 10. It's the first I've heard of it, but I love it. Ian Hutchinson, 0-8. So another three points on the board. Yes, far too many mistakes. On another day, we could have lost heavily, but we didn't, so who cares? Dan Kemp did not stop running all game and trying to make things happen. But for me, Tom James is an absolute Rolls-Royce of a player. I totally agree. Stuart1973 said, loved it. After we rode the initial onslaught and competed and got on top of them, there was only one winner. That's how to beat the sides that want to bully you. Special mention to Dan Kemp who found the pockets and dictated our full play. Great point. Yeah, penultimate tweet. And this one goes to Sunshine LOFC. who says, we have a great squad, a manager that every club in League 2 would want and most in League 1 would want. And Old Trafford, if, uh, if, any, if they've been watching. We have an excellent board. We are going places. And the final word goes to Steve Cab 121 who said, with Dan Kemp putting in his best performance of the season, Archibald back to his early season form and Smith scoring a contender for goal of the season... What is not to like about this team? Yeah, very positive set of tweets. They were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook, which we are honoured to have such a high level of engagement week after week. So let us know if you agree 
or disagree with any of those we've read out, you can tweet us at Orient Outlook. You can email us at orientoutlook.com. You can find us on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. Yep, so let's move on then to the Carol Langley Florist Prediction League. Sponsors Carol Langley are an established local business in Chingford, East London, specialising in bespoke flowers for all occasions and events. From a simple thank you to a lavish wedding or event, they can help you. Get in touch with John and the team. They're at Carol Langley E4. That's Carol, C-A-R-O-L-E, L-A-N-G-L-E-Y. E4, or you can contact John directly at EssexBizBIZ on Twitter. And surprisingly, there were no correct predictions for this match. There were a lot of three ones, you said. Um, But the top of the prediction league is currently stagnant with Nino Barone underscore Barone on 18 points. He tops the league. 16 points just behind him is Parksy1881. And 13 points just behind him is Leighton Ori. So thank you to everybody who takes the time to send their predictions in. Yeah, that covers Sutton. So let's move on into Sunday, the 21st of November. And it was a day of accolades following the performance against Sutton. So first up, Harry Smith, Theo Archibald and Tom James were named in the Skybet League 2 Team of the Week, along with Kenny Jackett as manager. Also, Harry Smith and Theo Archibald were named in the EFL Team of the Week. And Harry Smith was also named in the Football League Papers League 2 Team of the day, so well done to all involved. Things you love to see on a Sunday morning is when you see that tweet come up, and mm. it shows you that Orient had a great day, not just across League Two but across the EFL yeah. as well. I might say Harry Smith might be shooing again for the FIFA Team of the Week. That goal's been on a lot of social channels at volley, so it wouldn't surprise me if that Quest, if he crops up. Sky Bear, EFL. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he crops up on that FIFA team. So let's see. Good luck. Fingers crossed for Harry Smith. Keep your eyes open then. So the ladies were in action today. They were in cup action away at Actonians and we're delighted to say that they won 4-1 with goals coming from Bianca Caradi, Liliana Almeida who got a brace and Eve Pearson who scored on her 18th birthday. Congratulations ladies and it was great to catch up and get some more info and insight from Olivia uh, from the ladies' team yesterday in the Legends Lounge. Yeah, well done to Eve. What a birthday! Yeah, Grabs a goal. what a P18. Yeah, so, I'm not scoring goals on my 18th birthday. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. So fair play um, to you, Eve. So let's wrap this bad boy up then. Yeah. One hour nine minutes. In fantasy go. football update, Jack Merritt is top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league. He's got 852 points. He's ahead of James Durkan in second place who's got 841 points. I've had a bit of a bad week, uh, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has. I had Ronaldo as my captain. We've still got 10 points, but I thought we'd clean up against Watford. Not to be. expect them to. I'm in 226th place now out of 315 players. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we have an epic week of positives. Yeah, we do. And negatives. So, Mr Levy. Let's split these. I'll kick it off then. So, coming from behind to win, always a positive. Always shows a mental resilience that not all teams have. Our huge goal difference, you know, we're talking about a um, significant amount of goals that we've managed to score so far this season, and now we're on a positive goal difference of Plus 16, 16. so, you know, that's that's not easily done uh, at any point in any league in any season, so absolutely tremendous there. Uh, we also have uh, climbed up the league, we're now in the playoff places, having been teetering outside yeah. so always a positive really good so those were the first half of positives I've got the second half of positives so carrying on in Harry Smith's goal tally it's nine goals from 17 games so Harry Smith has equaled his best ever goal scoring season 
Has he really? He has. That's tremendous. And considering... <laughs> no, that is. Considering when we looked at him on paper, from his stats of his history, he was very underwhelming. You're talking about now a guy who's getting a goal every other game. There's a lot of Northampton fans who are convinced, as probably we would be, that he's going to go there next week and score, obviously, his former club. Of course. So if he does, hope so. if he does, and he's into double figures for this season, and he, then that will be his best ever goal scoring season. But at the moment, he's equaled his best ever goal scoring. So it's only going to get better because we're only seventeen you'd, games you'd into ha- the season. You'd hope so. Touch wood. And that's just league goals. Yeah. So, also two wins in a week for the youth team. Yes. So we'll come on to them again. I think we talk about heroes of the week, but what a week for those young men. And last yeah. positive of the week. We've now scored most set-peak goals in League 2. We've scored 11 goals from set-pieces. Northampton a second on nine. Who knew? Incredible. So well done to Orient. It's all very, very positive, which means that we'll get spanked uh, twice this week that we'll come on to. <laughs> Only one negative. God man. God forbid. But, you know, also, like uh, Vince pointed out earlier, unbeaten in 10 as well. You, I mean, yeah. you could just there's so many positives at the moment. I don't think this is the right podcast for, for all those positives. Uh, no, we'll come back down to Earth very soon. Next one negative. Next moan fest. <laughs> yeah, one negative. Defensive mistakes, we're making them. It wasn't all plain sailing. Had we come up against a Forest Green Rovers, for instance, we could have been absolutely yeah, punished yeah. for our mistakes, but we weren't, so we sit here happily doing this podcast for you. Absolutely. So, the Carol Langley Florist Hero of the Week. After several great performances, we took this one to Twitter for you to decide, but we mush out, out the youth team and Dan Kemp, yeah. and arguably Craig uh, Clay, Craig Clay yeah. who could have also been in there. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have six... Four, we don't have more than four spaces. So this week we nominated Theo Archibald for his goal and his assist. We also nominated Tom James because he was involved in two of the goals and scored a goal. Harry Smith for his worldie of a goal, uh, his assist and his other goals uh, as well. Yeah, Just really overall, good. yeah, absolutely. And Lawrence Vigarou, um, you know, it, it, he hasn't been mentioned that much, but he made a couple of good saves to stop them from getting back in. At 2-1... Arguably, he's made some big saves, and just simple. Once you look at the full-time right. score, you can kind of disregard those saves, but he still had to do what he had to do. Correct, and we think he'd done them well. So, a decent amount of votes, Mister Levy. Yeah, a lot of lot of talking points as to why we didn't bring in Kemp yeah. or Clay or this one or that one. But like we said, we've only got four. So, after two hundred twenty-nine votes, sixty-nine percent of you voted for the obvious winner. Yeah, Harry Smith. Yeah, well done, Big H. Well done, Smudger. Speaks well as well. If you listen to his post match yeah. presser, he speaks really well, and I, he sounds like he's found his home here, and that pleases me immensely. Yeah, I think Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson, good strikers, but they've never really seemed to fit into Orient for whatever reason. I never felt Danny Johnson was an Orient striker, but with Harry Smith, you kind of feel like he could be a big, big player for Orient. It feels like Orient suits him. Yeah, I agree. He's just got that mentality, just and that clicks. character. Mm. Yeah, so great to see. So next week's fixtures in. Huge week for the O's. Big, big week. Two away games coming up. Big week in the league. Firstly, Tuesday, 23rd of November, we are on the road to North Lincolnshire. We go to Scunthorpe United. Have not started this season well. Recently made a managerial change and appointed Keith Hill, who I think is a decent appointment at League mm-hmm. 2 level. See so if he can get him out of it. I think he will in time. This weekend, they lost 3-1 away to Mansfield. They went 1-0 up. They conceded some stupid goals. Hopefully, they make a few more mistakes against mm. us. They are bottom of League 2. Two wins all season. The last five, they've won one, drawn two, lost two. You're looking at that one going, if you get serious about promotion, you go there and you beat them. You've got to. Yeah. You've got to. But that won't be an easy game. Won't be an easy game at all. I think the first home league game, I think, under Hill, if not the second, I think they drew the first one when he was appointed. So, 
the players going to have points to prove for Keyfield. That's going to be a difficult game and a long journey on a probably cold, horrible late November evening. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few fans going to that yeah. as well. So if you are going, have a safe journey. Uh, we're going to make the short trip up the N1 to Northampton Town next Saturday, the 27th of November. They're sitting one place and one point above us in League Two. They drew one all away to Bradford this weekend. In their last five games, they've only lost one. They've, won the, they've won the previous four games. They drew yesterday. They drew away to Bradford. Oh, they did, didn't they? <laughs> oh, then the thing I looked at wasn't updated. So they've they've won one, lost one. Sorry, won three, drawn one, lost one. Right, okay, so, not bad. Uh, st- listen, they're, they're still unbeaten in... Um, Another a, a tough, lost one in five. So. Another tough place to go, but I think this is such a big week now because I think you'll start to see teams f- pull away now and I think you'll start to see teams go down as well. So I think like your Hartlepools and your Harrogates might start to suffer now, start to take a few defeats and your Forest Greens... Yeah, and your Swindons and teams who you want to stick with start to rise to the Pull top. Away. So big, yeah. big week for me. Like I said, wish everyone safe journey travelling to those fixtures. Feel free to tweet us at any time on your journey in the ground, half time, post match, pre match, whenever you like. So before we finish this one, do not forget for the best plastering and rendering prizes, go and visit AJF Plastering on Insta, on Facebook. Go and visit Big Ads on Twitter. Go on their website for all your plastering and all your rendering needs. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. This has been episode number 265. We are delighted to be talking about a win after going behind early on against Sutton, who we went on to comprehensively beat 4-1, which was never going to be an easy fixture as, as many thought it would be, and perhaps the scoreline flattered us a little, but three points are the most important thing. Next up, we have two hard fixtures away from home. Let's not be uh, silly about it. We hope to be talking about two more wins this time next week. And as we said earlier, safe journey to all fans making the away trips. Thanks to Noel from Fair Game uh, for joining us this week. If you listen back to the beginning uh, of this podcast, his contact details, the website details, if you are keen to get involved and to learn more about what they're doing, um, do if you can spare the time I think uh, this could be uh, once in a in a generation once in a lifetime shift a seismic shift in, in the game yeah. of football yeah again thanks to Niall great uh, speaks well he's doing for fair game spoke yeah. really well so if you're listening on iTunes please subscribe give the podcast a five star review I looked on iTunes earlier this week we've not had a rating since May despicable we do all this hard work for everyone and no one gives us ratings. So the come on. The least you can do is rate and review. Absolutely. So come and do that if you haven't done already. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, add us to your favourites. That way you get all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers. We are also on Alexa's Amazons. We are on FanHub. So listening to podcasts is so easy. Lots of ways to get the podcast into your ears. And if you have an older relative a loved one, an orient chum, anyone who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone or their device and download it for them. Press play and pass the pod. So we'll be back episode 266 next week. It's going to be a big old podcast. Two league games to talk about. Hopefully a very happy, positive podcast like tonight's one. I hope so. With all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. (laughs) 